Hi, I'm Connie Wilkes. I'm Marlene Nelson. I'm Jerry Gropp. And I'm Sherry Spute. And our last names make up the acronym WINGS. We're just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks, and we hope to offer a place to gather for our friends, family, and all who wish to join us. So welcome to our podcast conversation, Under His Wings. Welcome back, everybody. We're, we're happy you're joining us today. Yes, sir. Um, I have a question for you guys. Do you, do you and your family play cards? Yep. Love them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all kind of card lovers, aren't we? What's your favorite card games? Our family's favorites change so much, like on the regular. Yeah. So, but lately we just got a new one called uh, Cover Your Kingdom. And we're really liking that one. However, we're always up for any type of card game. So we play one called Ripple, and it's kind of a luck of the draw kind mm-hmm. of you card game. You always have yeah. new games that They're I've never really heard fun. of in my life. <laughs> Yes, we make them up. <laughs> and they have Grandma Madge rules, which means no one can fight. You just have to, everybody gets along. But anyway. Grandma Madge yeah, rules. Grandma oh, Madge rules. I make Gigi rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the luck, the ripple game is, it's kind of a luck of the draw type of a game. But, you know, sometimes the intellectual personalities in our family really like, you know, those strategy games. Mm, yeah. I think I definitely prefer the luck of the draw kind of game, <laughs> just because I enjoy chatting and socializing through the whole experience. But um, I think some of our favorites would be Cover Your Assets. Is that kind of it's like It's made cover by your Cover Your Assets. I, I think so I cover learned your that kingdom. from here, from yes. you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So this is just another one that's, it's even better. So okay. Look at it. We'll look into it. One of our others that we like is Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. Oh my gosh, I have never heard that one. <laughs> that would kind of get kind of crazy, but it's okay. lots yeah, of fun. That's hilarious. Yeah. Never heard that one. Okay, we'll have to have a game night, guys. Have, have a game night. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, yeah, we love to play cards. And you, when you say you love to to socialize and stuff, Pinochle was the card game that my family always played. And I started playing it when we were first married. But my parents and siblings always played it, and they would. And my siblings are quite a bit older than me, and they would always try to get me to play it. I'm like, I am not playing that old person game. <laughs> I remember then, your mom playing Pinochle. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I yeah. remember you talking about it. And we were in middle school and high school. Oh, so, that's yeah, so I totally funny. Remember that? Yeah, and it, and it was serious. Like you didn't socialize. Like get to the game. <laughs> but um, but then I married Scott and his parents and grandparents played. So then I had to learn how to play it. And I love it. It's really fun. But um, we, when it comes to cards and especially the luck of the draw type of cards, you know, you find that sometimes you can go a whole night and just never get the cards to fall into your hand. And especially in Pinochle. Pinochle's like that. And we were just playing the other night, in fact. And... Um, and it, I was, they were not falling my way. I was, it was frustrating. And I literally wanted to throw them across the room and stomp away and have a pity party. I didn't throw them across the room, but a couple of times I threw them down on the table. <laughs> oh, man. There are times when I see such different sides of loved ones in yeah. our family. And it's usually when they're in the midst of a, of a close game. It's not always the pretty side either. So, so we're a little competitive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Just a little. Oh, it's so funny. I'm, but I don't think I'm as competitive as I used to be. Oh, me anymore. either. You know, I, I'm more just for the fun of it, the socializing, like I mentioned. Um, but my husband would say that that's because I always win. <laughs> that's why you like a lucky draw. You're a lucky person. <laughs> yeah, I am lucky, but I don't always win. But I have been known to throw a few games to others just because I want him to keep playing <laughs> and more competitive than I am. <laughs> yeah. So as a matter of fact, this uh, Christmas, you know, we were playing some games. And yeah, there was a time or two that if you walked away from the table, a little frustrated. <laughs> but I, I have two boys that'll say if you ain't cheating you ain't trying (laughs) now of course they're you know they're kidding but they really do want to win (laughs) yeah really bad Mm -hmm. really bad yeah I know I think we all have seen some competitive sides of our families right Mm -hmm. but um you know I've I've tried to learn like I like you said Sherry I'm not quite as competitive as I used to be because I I've tried to learn to tamp down that frustration and remember you know it's only a game 
And I just try to be grateful for the people I'm with. And the reason that we're playing is to spend time together, right? Mm -hmm, and yeah. so it's it's helped me ease that competitive gene I have and learn some things in the meantime. And I've learned to be grateful for the moment and what it has to teach me and just be grateful for people. Mm -hmm. And I think playing games are a good metaphor for life. You can have fun and not always be winning mm -hmm. <laughs> if you go into it and stay into it with the right attitude. Being grateful for just being together, I feel like is a good start. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah, I can see where you're, where you're going with that, Jerry. I mean, I think a lot of people want to throw in the hand they've been dealt in life. And just go have a pity party, you mm -hmm. know? And I must admit, my conscience was pricked when you said that you've learned to be grateful for the people you're with and, you know, what they can teach you. But uh, recently, we spent hours also together playing games. <laughs> and I was getting a little irritated with one of our family members who just whined on and on because nothing ever went their way. <laughs> I remember I whispered under my breath that it was getting tiring to always hear how unfair things were, <laughs> just to have this person say, well, then just leave. Mm. And I wanted to say, who? You or me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, families. You know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> love, love at home. <laughs> but life's frustrations are more than just the hands we're dealt when playing cards, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've all had to learn to play the hand we're dealt. And life's hard moments aren't just something that we deal with in our day. I think that's why we've been told to read the scriptures because we hear a lot about mm -hmm. hard things. And I was just reading the Book of Mormon. I came across the Alma, the younger story, and he was wishing that his life could be different. And then he came to the beautiful realization that he ought to be content with the things which the Lord hath allotted him. Mm -hmm. What do you think he meant by that? Hmm. I, I wonder if he just came to realize that the Lord had placed him in that place and time for a reason and that he had a work for him to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it it really wasn't going to do him any good to wish that he could change the hand that he'd been dealt or wish that life was easier because I don't think that's how life was meant to be. We came to earth to gain a body and to be tested and to be tried and to... And to do our best to accomplish the mission that we've been sent here to do. Exactly. But even with that knowledge, we've all had moments when we felt like Alma. You know, when we wished we were dealt a different hand or that things were a little easier. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I felt that way in my life. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we all have. And I mean, come on, I changed diapers for 20 years, right? <laughs> yep. You and me, Cher. <laughs> 20 years of my life thinking, are changing diapers. Yeah. Just think about it, right? <laughs> I actually... A lot of diapers. <laughs> yeah. And I've actually been thinking a lot about that lately. And the other day, uh, the thought came to me that if I had gotten sick enough of changing diapers after just a few years, you know, sick enough to decide I was done with this, look how differently my life would have turned out, mm -hmm. right? And many, many days I literally had to talk to myself and remind myself that I was doing a great work. <laughs> I was clothing the naked, feeding the poor, lifting up the weary hands. Mm -hmm. And it's not very glamorous in the moment, but it's what God had asked me to do. And it's what he asked me to do for 20 years. And when we look back, we can see the path for what it is. You know, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty, meaning the vision is really clear once you make it through to the other side. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think with the 36 children among us, I, I think it's safe to say that we have all <laughs> changed a lot of diapers. Shoot, I mean, there were even times I had three in diapers at once, oh. you know, but <laughs> yes. yeah, but even though our kids are, have been out of diapers for years, there's still some really challenging things that we're all dealing with right now. And I know as we look out into our circle of friends, you know, some are dealing with a lot harder things than diapers. Mm, you know, we yeah. have one friend whose husband's dying of term terminal illness, another who's going through an unexpected divorce, and one who's suffering from a job loss. And 
you know, we haven't all made it right to the other side. Right. Right. We don't have that 2020 vision yet on all our challenges. And sometimes I too find myself lamenting like Nephi, the son of Helaman did in the Book of Mormon. Remember, he was a, a prophet at the time when the people were so wicked, and he was out trying so hard to be a missionary and trying to teach them the truth, but he was completely rejected. So he returned to his hometown and got upon his tower to pray, and he's been absolutely heartbroken by the refusal of, of others to listen and to repent because he knew that they're going to be destroyed if they didn't listen to him. And so he was crying out, Yay, if my days could have been in those days when my ancestors first came out of Jerusalem, then would my soul have had joy in the promised land because of the righteousness of my brethren. But behold, I am consigned that these are my days and that my soul shall be filled with sorrow because of the wickedness of my brethren. So hard. So hard. You know, it is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like when we think, oh, if my children were just obedient, I'd be happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yes, for sure. You know, I may not have a tower <laughs> to cry from, but I know I've certainly cried out in my heart next to my bed many nights over yeah. that very yeah. thing. Or we, exactly. when we think that if I could just have so-and-so's life, I would be so much happier. Right. You know. That's true, especially if we're just watching them on Instagram, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've had so many people come up to me and comment about all the fun they see me and, mm-hmm. you know, my husband and I having, right? Oh, yeah. Now that we've retired and been able to take some trips and things. And, and they always say, oh, how I wish I could do that. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> of just a couple of weeks ago, Connie, you remember yeah. we were talking about this upcoming trip to the Holy Land. And I remember you saying to me, I can I just be you for a little while, Sherry? I, I did say that. <laughs> and I said, well, sure, as long as you're willing to take on a special needs son and a couple of drug addicts and, you know, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, it et cetera. woke me up, yeah. <laughs> a fourth grader, you know, yeah. homework every night. That was yeah. really profound. I mean, I was so glad you gave me right. that perspective. That perspective. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, we do. We need that perspective in in all in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking about perspective, I came across an amazing story by Brooke Romney on her Instagram page, and she said that one time when she was at a community pool with a friend and their children, she um, they. You know, they stopped for a snack break and they were sitting there and they watched a very fit mom in a sporty two-piece with chiseled arms and visible abs and perfectly toned legs, you know, (laughs) walked past. And she said, we looked at each other knowingly, silently, Mm -hmm. thinking the same thing. It must be nice to be genetically blessed. (laughs) How lucky to be a person with all the time in the world to live at the gym. Yeah. But then she said, "Um, we... We then saw her go to the side of the pool and lift a very heavy child with severe special needs out of the water Mm. and wrap her in a blanket and lovingly carry her back to the blankets and chairs. Wow. And she said, we looked at each other guiltily, embarrassingly put in our place for our quick judgments. You know, isn't it easy to assume you know the full story from one look? A filtered photo or someone's Sunday's best, yet, you know, so many times we do that. Yes. You know, yeah, she was fit and strong, but those muscles have been earned through work and love and service. She needed those muscles. She needed that strength. And we only saw the end result, not the hard work behind the scenes. She said, I thought about how often I want the quick and easy way. I want the muscles without the lifting. You know, I want the humility without the heartache. I want the success without the sacrifice. I want the forgiveness without repentance. I want the wisdom without the work. Yeah. Isn't that what we all want? (laughs) We do. We we seek for that easy way, but but it's not usually how life goes. Mm -mm. That instance at the pool reminded her that those who are physically, professionally, or emotionally great have most likely paid the price to get there. True. And sometimes the price is forced and the only option. And sometimes the price is deliberately chosen over what might have been an easier alternative. Sometimes the price is higher than others have to pay. 
that there is always a price to growth, to strength, to greatness. Yeah. You know? Yep. I know I've decided I want to be more willing to pay the price to be the woman I was meant to Mm, be. I really like that thought. So you know how everybody at the beginning of the year picks a word that they're going to concentrate on that whole Oh, I've year. heard that a lot yeah. this year. I mean, like, that must be a thing. This year. I'd never heard of that until this year, but yeah, I've seen it popping up all over Instagram. And yeah, well, I've heard it for a couple of years, and I've never picked a word. But oh, this year funny. I decided, I'm going to pick a word. And, you know, stood over that for a while. Guess what my word is? Perspective. Hmm. Oh, I think it's just, maybe that's because we just had that conversation. And you taught me a lot by recognizing there are perspectives that we need to keep in our mind. Anyway, that, Mm -hmm. so that story that just goes along with it. And that's me learning that lesson, learning my perspective really, um, needs to be thought over and guided so that I don't get lost in the Instagram life, you Mm -hmm. know? Right. Right. That's good. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, um, talking about this makes me think of the children of Israel as they're standing there between their enemies and the Red Sea. Talk about perspective, right? <laughs> What's they're their perspective? Yes. They're, they're thinking that maybe they should just turn around and plead for mercy and go back to the life they knew, you know, like like maybe they'll let us live or we're going to drown in the mm-hmm, Red Sea. Right. I mean, that what, what was what was their perspective? It was there, there was nothing else. But um, little did they know that the Lord had bigger plans for them and so he also has bigger plans for each of us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and sometimes bigger plans than we ever imagined yeah. for ourselves. But right. in the moment, you know, life can be really hard or even scary, mm-hmm. right? Like it was for those Israelites. We've all experienced sadness because of our own poor choices or choices of others. And I, I think it's okay and normal if at times you wish the Lord would have dealt you a different hand I know we've all felt that way at different times as we try to gain an eternal perspective. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I know I felt that way when trials have, I've gone through so many things and really hard trials, Yeah, you know, they, and they seem to kind of cycle back around, which mm-hmm. is frustrating. And it's, it's usually in a, just enough of a variation that they ex- still exhibit the same emotions. Right. And um, what people would call triggers. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. However, it seems like I can't really use the same strategy to overcome this newest rendition of the same horrible trials of life. It seems like I'm, I'm just in the same football game. And in that game, I made it through that opposing team's playbook. And I won that game through perseverance and a great support team. But before I saw it coming, an entirely new team hit the field. Oh, you know? And I just really want to run off the field and go play pickleball. Heck with football. <laughs> pickleball Aww. is fun. It is. It is. <laughs> but Connie, I've watched you through many of those cycles and I'm amazed at your strength that you've displayed as you've faced each new situation with faith. Um, I know in my life there were many times when we were struggling with our special needs, bipolar, oppositional defiance, and Curtis that, you know, when I wish things were different, I would think in my head, you know, wasn't it enough that I'd been willing to take on the challenges that came with raising 10 kids? <laughs> Did I really need to have one that was so hard that he was equal to five kids all on his own? I know. And unfortunately, he'll never have any idea in this life just how blessed he is to have come to your family. Absolutely. You know, good thing that we are all trying to understand eternity. Mm-hmm. And we're really, we've got a pretty good grasp of that. Yeah. Yeah, and to keep that eternal perspective. And I really can't wait to meet the real Curtis, right? Um, yeah. The one without all those psychological disorders in eternity. You know, one time we came to your ward for, I don't know why, we were there. But it was right after Curtis got the Aaronic priesthood and he was passing the sacrament. Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys, I have never had that feeling of... I was watching Curtis in his perfected form, mental capacity and abilities as he was passing the sacrament for that one time. I was shocked it was him. I was watching his behaviors. Even his face was different to me. Hmm. It was it was amazing. Aww. I thought he'd changed so much. I'm like, oh my gosh. And you said, what? And he really actually 
just went mm. back to his other self. Interesting. But that was just a, gave me a glimpse. Huh. That's so sweet. That, that is that sweet. That is so sweet. Yeah. You know, I've come to realize, like Alma, that I, I too need to learn to be content with what the Lord's allotted me. And that includes a special needs son with extreme challenges, amongst other things, of right. course. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right, and and we all do. <clears throat> and I think there's two attitudes that are really dangerous when when you're in these tough life situations. There's the one that says, my life stinks, but it's my life, and I just have to power through, endure to the end, mm-hmm. put up with it until I die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And sure, you endure, but you're miserable. (laughs) Yeah, yes, you are. But then there's the other extreme that says, life's too short. My life is important and my happiness is important. And these hard things are infringing on my happiness. And therefore, I need to get rid of them all. (laughs) Um, Get rid of anything that's distressing me. And, you know, those are two pretty oppositional opinions, but or ways to look at it, but I think they're really common. And But I don't believe that those are our only two options. Yeah. I don't either, Jerry. As a matter of fact, when I said I had to learn to be content like Alma, I also eventually learned that if I really wanted to find meaning and progress through the challenging experiences with Curtis and some, you know, with my other children, even my own mental health issues, I also had to learn to be grateful for the difficulties that came with life and grateful for what they could teach me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life is not meant to be all lollipops and rainbows. We were sent here to learn, to grow, to be tested. And sometimes it's really hard and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean we should throw in the towel and give up when life's painful or, or just grin and bear it because we have to. Right, right. So... What's the answer that lies between those two? What's always the answer? Jesus. Exactly. (laughs) If you've ever taught primary, you know the answer is always Jesus. Always has the answers. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I was reading one of my um, proper romance novels, (laughs) (laughs) which I love. And uh, there was just so much wisdom in this one. And I apologize because I don't, you're all, you, any of you who love proper romances might be wondering what the book's called, but I honestly cannot remember (laughs) which one it was. So, um, so there will be no footnote about that in our (laughs) show notes. Um, anyway. So through the whole book, there was just, it was just filled with all this wisdom and I, I was captivated, but there was this one line that really hit me and made me ponder for days after reading it. Someone in the book said, what will be fixed must first be broken. Ooh. So, you know, let that sink in for a second. You know, I thought of it for days and days and I even went back to make sure I had the words exactly right because it what I was saying in my head was what needs to be fixed um, must be broken, right? But that was not what she said. She said, what will be fixed. Mm. And so then I thought about that (laughs) even more. And I thought about my own life. You know, am I willing to be fixed? Mm -hmm. Because I am broken, Am I willing to let the Lord make of me what he will? And in order for that to happen, I must first be broken. Right. Mm-hmm. And we all are. We're all broken. Yep. And we're, I was broken by that 20 years of tedious diaper changing, um, by children that leave the faith that I love, um, by sickness, by difficult choices of those that I love, and sometimes by no fault of anyone at all. Mm-hmm. Just life throwing stones. Yeah. And then if if I'm willing and if any of us are willing, then the Lord fills all those broken cracks up with his love, his mercy, his grace, and by the power of his infinite atonement. Yeah. Yep. We are broken in one way or another, aren't we? Which reminds me of that old Kenneth Cope song. Do you guys remember? Mm-hmm. The uh, one that was called it's, Broken? It's not old in our house because we play it and sing it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I play it on the piano and my husband loves to sing that song. Oh, so, yes. yeah. I think it must have come out, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. probably. 
but it talks about how the Lord does love broken things. And some of the lyrics are broken clouds give rain, broken soil brings grain, and broken bread feeds us for one more day. But one of my favorite lines is later in the song when it says, broken pride turns blindness into sight. Mm. And it just makes me wonder, what could we see if we all let Jesus into our lives more fully? You know, what 2020 vision could we gain along the way? Oh, wow. I need to go back and listen to that song. I mean, it's, those it's, are yeah, oh, beautiful. beautiful words. And so, you know, I, I'm going to look it up, and I'll put it in the show notes. So we'll put a link in, in the show notes. Soon. Awesome. Thanks, Connie. And Jerry, you know, when you mentioned that the Lord can fill in our broken cracks with love and mercy, it reminds me of the Kintsugi principle, um, which is that ancient Japanese art of what they call golden joinery, where they take broken pieces of pottery, like a vase or a bowl, and they repair it by filling in the cracks with gold. Mm -hmm. And then that broken pottery actually becomes more valuable after it's been repaired than it was before it was even broken. That's an amazing analogy. The Lord, I just believe he can truly take the broken pieces of our life and turn it into something even more beautiful and valuable. Yeah. Our Kintsugi master is the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. he's there ready to pick up those pieces and make something even more beautiful out of our life mm-hmm. and more valuable. Absolutely. I love that. Me love too. that. I love that too. You know, but I think it's important to point out that just like this Japanese art, it sometimes takes time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Some kintsugi pieces take months to repair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our lives are so much more intricate. Some healing and repair takes years. Mm-hmm. And sometimes lifetimes. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And this this wholeness that we're seeking, it does not mean immediate perfection or even a comfortable life necessarily. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a process that begins with our recognition that we are in desperate need of God to pick up those broken pieces and do a little kintsugi restoration. Yes, absolutely. Love it. So what can we say to help those who feel like their lives are so broken that sometimes they want to just give up and throw all those broken pieces away? What do you think? Oh, that's, that's a deep and hard question. And I, I really, really don't want us to just give a trite answer because, dang, we are hearing more and more tragic stories of people who have moments that they've lost hope and their action in a split second forever alters so many people's lives, not to mention their own. But... I think first and foremost, it's important to remember that you're never alone in this journey in mortality. I mean, the adversary is bent on isolating Mm -hmm. us. And when we keep those discouraging thoughts hidden and they, then they just fester and grow in the dark recesses of our mind. Um, so I think, you know, find your tribe, Mm -hmm. reach out, call a friend, call someone you trust or seek counsel from professionals. I mean, so important. Call out for Jesus by name. Just saying Christ's name reverently and vocally can um, bring a moment of clarity and strength. And then ultimately, I wonder if it would be helpful to find a purpose, a constructive, active venue to bring you out of isolation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sort of kind of leaning towards, you know, we talked a little bit about cards and teams and, you know, Mm -hmm. competitiveness, (laughs) Um, but let's work with that in a different way. Um, You know, as you think about our kids when they were playing on a sports team or a dance team, they had a goal that they were working for usually. It was so important for them to be working together for a goal. And so they learned to work as a team and they have a coach and teammates and they have clear tactics and skills and rules, you know? Um, so they problem solve and anticipate a gameplay with strategies. I mean, can you see how that would be so helpful? 
So I think having that end goal in mind seems to keep one invested. So, and, and, you know, at that point they can be cheered on and uplifted as they watch others who might've had a bad day or a bad game. And they watch that person get up and persevere. And it just kind of motivates you when you see somebody persevere, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, um, loners that are more likely to throw in the towel if they don't have a team that supports them. Yeah. And so I, I can hear in my mind, Christ's words, come follow me. Christ organized his church and it brings us all together. So I'm recognizing more and more his purpose of, ga- of that he told us to mm-hmm. gather often. Um, do you see how that just you're yeah. together and, and we we're need service, each other, right? We're service oriented. We have goals and covenants and then there's power in that covenant connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think maybe that's why the proclamation of the family stresses that the family is central to God's purpose on the earth because we need each other. We need each other to help each other along this path. Mm-hmm. And f- families look all different, right? But we need that church family also. As well, right. Yeah. And, you know, my daughter, Kenzie, whose sweet twins were still born a few months ago, um, she, she always tells me how grateful she is to have her husband, Cameron, and they have gone through so much through this hard trial they're in. But, you know, he goes to work and he has to put on that brave face and mm-hmm. focus on work, right? right? And she's been home a lot, you know, especially in the first few months. She was just home trying to heal. Right. And she, she'd talk about how, you know, she'd just be a mess. And then Cameron would come home at lunch just to be there with her and let her cry on his shoulder and just let her fall apart. And then he'd go back to work and she would, you know, have that strength from him and be able to go through her day. And, and, you know, now she's feeling better. And then Cameron comes home and he can let down and he can cry on her shoulder and she can be there to build him up. It's just a beautiful symbiosis. And I think it's important to, yes, Take time to strengthen yourself. We do, we need that. But then be unselfish enough to help strengthen those others in your sphere, mm-hmm. whether it's your family or your friends or people you go to church with or that you work with, mm-hmm. you know, whoever the Lord puts in your path, you can be a strength to them even in your weakness yeah. if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps give you that purpose. Like you'd mentioned, Connie, and it's kind of like Gandhi always said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in service to others. And Connie, you you also mentioned about church and meeting together to strengthen each other. It's so important to feel like you belong somewhere. Hopefully you feel like you belong in your family, but hopefully you feel like you have that ward or church family as well. But there are many that struggle to go to church because they do feel different or marginalized or judged. And they feel like, you know, that their less than perfect life keeps them from feeling like they fit in and, and that their trials are not what others are facing. And so they feel like those around them just really can't or don't understand what they're going through. I'm wondering, have you guys, have you ever felt that way at church? Oh, for sure, Sherry. I've I've had many times that I walked into church and was just positive that everyone was looking at me and knew everything going on in my life at mm-hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they did. <laughs> and maybe they were judging me. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? <laughs> now um, we just don't care so but, much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I kept going because to church because even if I didn't feel like I belonged at that moment with the people, I had to keep telling myself that I belonged to God Mm -hmm. and I needed to be there to worship him. And so the more I went and the more I persevered, I then learned to just look outside myself to others who may be feeling the same way Mm -hmm. that I was. And I would go with a prayer in my heart that God would use me for his good that day. 
You know, when you were asking Sherry about that, and I, I had this idea in my head, you know, those that do feel different and marginalized or judged, that's like you were mm-hmm. saying, Jerry, there is a reason why you can go and help others see your point of view. Exactly. Help others by participating in the class. I think more than anything, we need you in our uh, classes. Mm-hmm. We do. We need to hear your side. We need to understand how can we help right. help you? Yep, how right. can we understand you and what can we do to help you feel included? Mm-hmm. And I think it, you know, when we raise our hands and, and share, we might just be the thing the Lord uses to touch someone's heart. Yep. Exactly. You never know. Yeah. It, it's so true because we are, I was just having this conversation with Mackenzie who's, you know, gone through a trauma in her life that has shaken her to the core mm-hmm. and going to church is hard. Yeah, <laughs> It's oh, really gosh, hard, absolutely. but we just, we had that same conversation of like, even though you might, you know, the things you thought you always believed might be in question in your mind. It's okay Absolutely. to go and express yep. those thoughts, express those feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to have all the answers right. and we don't have to even understand everything right now. Right. It's okay to sit with it and, and still keep going. You know? I love working with the YSA young single adults, because they are authentic. Uh-huh. They are way more vulnerably able to share their stories oh, yeah. and it makes a big difference. So I think, again, you go back to that um, the adversary wants to isolate us, but we are not alone right. in this life and mortality. And all that you think you're the only person feeling these mm-hmm. or having these doubts or having these trials. Right. But when you are willing to go and open up and be with you know, others and share your experience, then you have the opportunity to find out you're not alone in these. There's a lot of people feeling and thinking the same thing. Just like you. Same things. Mm -hmm. I know. And then, and then if you can keep going, you look back, I look back and I'm so grateful I didn't give up. I have swam upstream a lot in my life, but the view from where I stand now is magnificent. And Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that everything in my life is the way I would like it to be. But I was reading this morning in Hosea in the Old Testament. And I had these words colored in red pencil and they just jumped out at me as I have been, you know, contemplating this podcast. It said, quote, they knew not that I healed them. It's kind of a heartbreaking statement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I... They knew not that I healed mm. them. And I'm like, wow, how, how often is that me? You know, the Lord is always near and willing and able to heal us. And how often do we just not see it? Yeah, because life on earth can be so messy and, and it can be hard. And so often we feel so alone. Mm-hmm. But I think each of us with more than five decades of experience, we can now look back and we can see all the times that the Lord was there through the hard times. And he was walking with us. And he sent others to walk with us as well. But in the moment, it was so very difficult to see and to feel. And looking back, we can see that he did. He even offered some healing along the way. Today is the anniversary of my surgery that I had one year ago. my back surgery. And so I was able to be out walking. And let me tell you, I knew my heavenly father had healed me. Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful I had that insight. I feel bad for those in Hosea's time that did not. Right. Right. Or in our time. Right. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Anytime. All through history. I think that's really common. So let's look for the healing. Let's open our eyes to what the Lord is really doing mm. in our lives. Yeah. yeah. You know, and as tragic as the world events that have been of late, <laughs> I've been trying to find the hopeful stories mm-hmm. among all these times, you know, looking for them because they are there. And I just pray it won't take learning the hard way by facing a horrible war. Um, but I was reading about the suffering in Ukraine and the resilience they are learning as they face winter. 
they began problem solving way before they knew those super harsh elements were going to come. They'd gone through many winters in Ukraine, Mm -hmm. but now they're in war. So before those really harsh elements came, they decided and planned ahead. And so they began problem solving before. And so the community, this is so cool. The community has set up warming stations called points of invincibility. Oh, wow. And they're just heated and powered spaces offering hot meals, electricity, um, internet connections, you know, where people can gather to get away from the harsh elements and um, to be strengthened until they can go out to face another day. Mm. Um, There was a quote that they had from one uh, person, a Ukrainian, and it said, we Ukrainians are so resourceful. We will think of something. We do not lose our spirit. And she said, we work and we live in the rhythm of survival as much as possible. We do not lose hope that everything will be Mm. fine. Oh, that is So those beautiful stories, I mean, they're they're around there. Mm -hmm. They're around, even among the hard. I love that. And what what an amazing example of the human spirit and its desire to conquer, Right. right? And I think that's how all of us came to earth with that hope. And that desire. And then we learn the ways of the world. And it's really easy to become self-focused and desire our own happiness and comfort. And sometimes at the expense of others and the things that will help us grow and become better human beings. Mm -hmm. I loved what Elder Christofferson said in his last general conference talk. He said, much of our belonging comes from our service and the sacrifice we make for others and for the Lord excessive focus on our personal needs or our own comfort can frustrate that sense of belonging. Mm. That is really powerful. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let that sink in because it's natural to want to belong to a church group, a family, a friend group. And I I think we can thwart those relationships by focusing too much on our own comfort Mm -hmm. and forgetting that hard things can help remove our rough edges and polish us along the way and help us connect with others. Yeah. I really like the way that Sister Craig put it in her talk when she said, I am learning that Heavenly Father is more interested in my growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ than he is with my comfort. Mm, That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't think life was meant to always be comfortable, you know, like it was for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We need to experience hardship and trials so we can learn, progress, and thereby experience greater joy. I don't think life was ever meant to feel like a day at the spa. (laughs) You know, if, if we're only focused on our own comfort and happiness, I think we might spend a lot of time running around saying that we've been robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I heard this wonderful statement this week that is so great. And it's, it said, um, it's okay to be uncomfortable because then the comforter can do his job. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Um, Yeah. Yes. You know, and speaking of uh, being robbed, Sherry, do you guys remember when President Hinckley quoted a minister named Jenkins Jones? Um, mm-hmm, I do. If you don't remember, here's what he said. He said, anyone who imagines that bliss is normal is going to waste a lot of time running around shouting that he has been robbed. Mm-hmm. The fact is that most putts don't drop. Most beef is tough. Most children grow up to just be like people. Most successful marriages require a high degree of mutual toleration. And most jobs are more often dull than otherwise. (laughs) And then he continues, life is just like an old-time rail journey. Delays, sidetracks, smoke, dust, cinders, and jolts interspersed only occasionally by beautiful vistas and thrilling bursts of speed. Mm -hmm. The trick is to thank the Lord for letting you have the ride. Oh, I love it. I had that hanging in my kitchen for years. Really? To remind myself, my, my kids are just kids. They're just going to, mostly for that. Yeah. Like, I don't have to compare myself to other people because most kids are going to grow up to just be kids. Just yeah. be people. Be, just be people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. I love that. I love it. And um, Have you guys seen those 
um, Insta, Facebook, Insta videos, reels, whatever they are, about that greasy, blacked, caked on gunk on the bottom of a pan. I, no, I, I don't think I have, but <laughs> I'm sure if I start talking about it close <laughs> enough to Alexa or Siri, it'll start oh popping up on oh, yeah. my feed too. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure it will. You guys get ready. You're going to see them. It's so true. Yeah, it's crazy. That is so crazy. <laughs> well, so you know that stuff that builds up over years and years yep. and it's black and mm-hmm. nasty. Well, there's this video that tells you how to magically remove it. So you put a little of this and a little of that and some of this, and then you put on some wet paper towels on it and you let it sit overnight and voila, (laughs) in the morning, you just take the wet paper towel and wipe all the gunk away that has magically been removed by the gunk fairy. Oh, we wish. (laughs) Well, so those, those videos get millions of views, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. I'd watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be hopeful that it would work. <laughs> exactly. Because, of course, we all have pans like that, except my mother. <laughs> and we all want it to just magically go away. Yes. So do you think I tried it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did oh exactly <laughs> what it said because I have those pans in my in my house. Okay. You do. And, um, well, guess what? The gunk fairy did not come to my house, and I had to do exactly what I saw my mother do every time she used her pans. Mm. I got out the scrubby and the stainless steel pads and the barkeeper's friend and lots of elbow grease, right? Meaning, lots of it. meaning hard work for those who aren't familiar with that term in case you're <laughs> too young. Too young. What's to elbow understand? grease? <laughs> I know, like elbow grease. And I just worked hard until it was gone. And it still wasn't as clean as my mom's because she would never let hers get built up. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that analogy yeah. so much. I know. So why is it natural for us to want things to be easy? You know, to never have to do hard things. Except people really like going to the gym to do hard things. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> Most people I know don't even like that, at least not at first. <laughs> I know. But, you know, I see Cindy and CJ and Sid's <laughs> posts, and they seem to like it. They're always smiling. <laughs> oh, that's true. I guess they have come to love it, actually even crave it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But most of the things that we're talking about are the hard things mm-hmm. that aren't too pretty. Right. You know, they don't have really pretty outside <laughs> motivators and they don't, they don't show on yeah. the outside Yeah, all the time. So I think maybe it has to do with overcoming the natural man in each of us, don't you think? Yeah. You know, the natural man wants the easy road without opposition because hard things that are uncomfortable, even if it's often necessary for our growth. You know, I kind of like the way Elder Marvin J. Ashton put it when he said, adversity will surface in some form in every life. How we prepare for it, how we meet it makes the difference. We can be broken by adversity or we can become stronger. The final result is up to the individual, end quote. Mm, Yeah, so it sounds like it's really up to us. And... I think it's safe to say that we all desire to become stronger and better through our trials, not bitter and broken. So maybe a better question is, what is it that we have each learned along the way that's helped us stick through those hard times and not give up? How do we make them a stepping stone instead of a stumbling block? Well, going through hard things is definitely not anyone's favorite thing. Right. You know, but... um, (laughs) This song was on the radio in the last month during Christmas. That came, and so when you said favorite things, it came to my mind. <laughs> made me wonder, is it as simple as reflecting on our favorite things? Maybe. You know, that mm-hmm. raindrops on roses, mm-hmm. whiskers on kittens. I mean, you know, do we sing that song to ourselves? Do we think, okay, how am I going to decide to get through hard things? Am I going to look at the good things, the things I do like? Mm-hmm. You know, because when the dog bites, when the bee stings... When I'm feeling sad, to just simply remember my favorite things. And then it won't be so bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know? This song came from, of course, you know, Sound of Music, which was held during time of war. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I mean, is there a coincidence to that? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think focusing on those things that are good and right in our life 
and that make us happy do truly help us through the hard times. And I recognize that sometimes the problems we are facing are so large and so worrisome that they seem to overshadow everything else in our life. And sometimes it can be a little bit challenging to look for those small things, those blessings that are there. But I too believe that you know, really developing an attitude of gratitude in spite of hardship can be really essential to that growth mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, Elder Uchtdorf, I, I love the way he said it when he said, it might sound contrary to the wisdom of the world to suggest that one who is burdened with sorrow and is facing great hardships should give thanks to God. But those who set aside the bottle of bitterness and lift instead the glass of gratitude, can find a purifying drink of healing, peace, understanding, and hope for the future. That's beautiful. And it is that hope that we need to, you know, get us through our toughest Mm -hmm. times. Great. To to let us be grateful for the hand that we've been dealt. Mm -hmm. Right? We can be. And if it doesn't look like it's going to turn out great, (laughs) but, but being grateful. I recently saw David Butler's Instagram post around, well, recently it was around Thanksgiving time, but of course it was on gratitude. And he said some things that have stayed with me. He said that gratitude is generally a response to a gift. You know, we get a gift and we're grateful for it. So we, we give our thanks. And when we think about what we're grateful for, it's usually something fairly tangible, something we possess or mm-hmm. something we experience, right? right. Um, but the greatest gift given was the Savior's atoning sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And he mentions scriptures that talk about being redeemed, like in the past tense, but where we are redeemed now. The Savior has paid the price and has done it. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about how that live, living in gratitude is a response to the grace we've already been given, oh. to that gift. Yeah. I, I don't know. I loved it. And I pondered that a lot. And now that you're talking about being grateful in the midst of trials, um, that's what I thought of. And the greatest trial ever suffered brought about the grace that we all need to make it through the difficult things in this world. Mm-hmm. And could it be a little more, maybe a little more focus on gratitude that can lift us to a higher plane? Even in the midst of our own suffering, it can lift us. Can grace help us live in gratitude? You know, it makes me want to work harder at giving gratitude more freely and living in gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting you bring that up that... In, in the emotional resilience class that I recently attended, they had us commit to writing in a gratitude journal every day for 12 weeks. And, you know, once you get beyond the first couple of weeks where you're simply writing down those things that we all give thanks for, you know, mm-hmm. in our prayers like faith and family and friends and food and clothes and shelter, you know, um, you really start to notice the little things in your life that you can or could or should be grateful for, you know, like even the ability to breathe freely Mm -hmm. um, or to simply get out of bed, the warmth of the sun on your face or the ability to walk out and get the mail without pain, right, Connie? (laughs) Or maybe even the ability to bend down and clean the toilet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) grateful for that. (laughs) Right. Because, you know, we might not really enjoy cleaning the bathroom, but I'm sure grateful that I have the ability to and grateful that I don't have to walk out in the cold to an outhouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good. Sometimes it good. is those little things. And I heard many of the women mention that as they're writing in their gratitude journal, it really started to train their minds to look for those little things because they knew they had to come up with something at the end of the day to write down, right? I so love it was retraining. I am seriously loving this. I have got to get a gratitude. I never thought about how deep that would go. Yeah. You get through the soup, surf, uh, surface stuff, surface yeah. stuff, and right. then and you got to really you think. Really, yeah, yeah, yep. You know, it's kind of like I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day. If because we had that nice um, winter storm right before Christmas that left all that snow, which I love, uh-huh. and it, 
we're more apt to appreciate that right before Christmas than after Christmas. You know, <laughs> sometimes when we get all that snow, we're tempted to just complain about, you know, how slick the roads are going to be or whatever. But complaining is really not going to make a difference to the amount of snow out there, you know? Right. <laughs> but it is going to make a difference in the amount of joy that you feel in your life, right? So I kind of feel like, you know, why not just put on a coat and some gloves and go Go make a snowman. (laughs) Make make the best of it. Yes, because plus, the more snow and rain we get in the winter, the longer our summer boating season Ah, will be, right? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, I read The Secret years ago and probably, you know, the book, there's a book Mm -hmm. called The Secret. Yeah, probably about the time it came out. And I went to the seminar where a man talked about changing your life by changing your thoughts. Um, Just like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're focusing on gratitude, but, you know, in all of our thoughts, he recommended having a life creed and reading it every night until your brain didn't question it anymore. It's just the way it was. So I went home and on a three by five card, I wrote each of my little children a little life creed, Mm. you know, kind of like in... The Help, the book, The Help, uh-huh. when the maid tells the little girl, you is kind, you is smart, and you is important. <laughs> yes. I did. I used to tell that to my kids I all the time. I think I can remember that. <laughs> yes. It also reminds me of when I taught preschool, and every day I'd have the kids all say in unison as they stood at the front door ready to leave. I'd say, okay, everybody, thumbs up. Now thumbs oh. in. I am special. I am smart. And I am loved. And um, then I'd say back to them, and don't let anyone make you feel otherwise. Oh, man. I need you to be at my door every day as I go out. I never heard that. that. The thumbs thumbs up and the the thumbs thumbs in. in. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to do that with my teenagers. Okay, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs up, thumbs in. (laughs) You know, that, that kind of thing just lights a fire in me. You guys know, uh, I talk about it all the time, like what our brains can do. And I, I wanted at that time when my kids were little t- for them to realize that they could do anything they wanted in life if they just believed it. And of course, there's hundreds of books and studies that have come out since then, adding credence to that idea. And now my kids, you know, they, people call it manifesting right. in this mm-hmm. day, right? You put it out into the world, what you want to get back. And I recently came up on a scripture that I've read a million times, but when I read it this time, it was like this light bulb came on in my brain. Um, one of those really bright lights that my <laughs> husband puts in all of our house to blind me. Well, the bright light for me was when I read in the Book of Mormon, Alma forty-one fifteen. it says, for that which ye do send out shall return unto you again. Mm. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's yes. right with that. Even they knew the secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not supposed to be a secret, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, Sherry, earlier you asked us to share what things we do to get through those hard days or difficult trials that seem, you know, to last forever. And um, so we've talked about turning to the Lord for healing, and we've talked about expressing gratitude and finding purpose in the suffering as we learn and grow. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also, like I said earlier, it can be helpful to talk to others um, who have been through difficult things Mm -hmm. and come out on the other side. It gives us an internal perspective that helps us hold on to hope that life will not always be so hard. And we can get through this trial. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's true. Connie, it really can help us to talk to someone who's been through similar challenges because sometimes when we're in the middle of these excruciating and hard, painful experiences, it's normal to ask ourselves, you know, why, why me? <laughs> why does God, why does life have to be so hard? Some people even go as far as to ask if there really is a God with so much suffering in the world. Yeah, true. I've had some people ask those same things to me. One lady, actually, when I was over in Africa, and um, sometimes it's hard to know how to answer that question, but I found a quote a few months ago, and I've been pondering on it a lot since then. It was um, Elder Neil A. Maxwell, and it was just this simple statement that righteous sorrow and suffering 
carve cavities in the soul that will become later reservoirs of joy. And I've thought about that. Could that be one of the reasons the Lord allows us to experience such suffering and sorrow at times? Not only because he knows that we'll learn and grow from the experience like we've been talking about, but because it allows us to carve out more space for the joy that the Lord knows he can and will bless us with later. Absolutely, yeah. You know, oh, I love that. I love that. We talked a little bit about that in our second coming class, didn't we, Sherry? Yeah. Um, And one of the things that we look forward to most is how uh, the Lord will wipe away all our tears when he Mm -hmm. comes again. And he will set all things right. Mm -hmm. And he will fill our hearts with joy. Yep. You know, I have a couple of kids who've been dealt the hand of infertility and they've struggled for years, seen specialists and done treatments. And this sweet daughter-in-law recently found out she's pregnant and we were all so excited. But as the weeks went by, eventually this pregnancy was lost too. And of course we were heartbroken and we cried and cried together. But you know, I've walked that infertility path myself and I came through it to the other side and I know they will too. And although our hearts are are breaking now, I know there will be brighter days ahead for them. And we've just had to hold on to that thought to get us through the pain of the current challenge. Yeah, and at Christmas time when we were all together, it was beautiful to see our kids talking Mm -hmm. and bonding with each other. You know, they were there for each other because they could understand. Yeah, they could understand each other's pain. It was beautiful. It really was. And we also had what I consider a little Christmas miracle this year um, as well. We had all the kids coming home for Christmas and a couple of weeks before they arrived, we're getting the house all ready and my husband pulled down the Christmas tree from the attic and we put it up, but we could not find the Christmas ornaments anywhere. My kids, they each receive a new ornament every year so that they each have their own collection. And these ornaments we have used every year for more than three decades. But this year, they were nowhere to be found. We looked everywhere. I looked through every box in the attic. (laughs) But um, so I decided, okay. And, you know, i got to move on. <laughs> so I pulled down a box from the attic um, that had some nativity ornaments in it that we had not used for years because, you know, the kids have so many of their own that the tree is always more than full. And um, so as I unpacked this box, I removed this little musical nativity. And there underneath it was a card um, that was addressed to Cody Morgan and I get down Right away, I recognized my mother's handwriting. Now, my mom's been gone for a couple of years now, and so it really surprised me. And um, I was intrigued, so I went in. I said, Greg, should we open it (laughs) and see see what it says, see what's in there? There inside was tucked a $100 bill with my mom's sweet handwriting on it. And so, of course, I quickly sealed it back up and put it in the tree so we could give it to Cody and Morgan when they came. But what was extra special to me was that as I went back to decorating the tree, I felt the presence of my mother there. And through the Spirit, she communicated with me that she wanted Cody and Morgan to know how much she loved them and that she was aware of their challenges and that so was their father in heaven. And that in time, everything was going to be all right. So, of course, tears were just flowing down my face as the spirit whispered that I needed to share this experience with them. And so I went and I sent them a text saying, Hey, you two, I just want you to know that Grandma Vaughn is thinking of you today. Call me if you want to know more. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, a short time later, um, they gave me a call, and I shared the experience with them and testified of my mom's love for them, as well as Heavenly Father's love. You know, of course, we were all in tears as I finished, and Morgan said to me, Sherry, as you started to speak, 
the Spirit confirmed to me that what you were about to say was true. <laughs> you know, it had been a particularly hard day for her. And she really appreciated the additional encouragement and the witness of the Lord's love. And I still am baffled by the fact that that card had to have somehow been placed there years, probably four or five years ago. And in the Lord's perfect timing, it came forth on that day. And it touched not only my heart, but her heart. That is beautiful. And you had to lose ornaments in order to find that ornament. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping for a Christmas miracle next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that those ornaments will show back up because Kat and Bentley will be oh, so sad oh, if no. they accidentally hit the DI pile or something. <laughs> you know, I I was listening to a podcast today and, you know, we're here in the new year. It's January. And they said something and... Okay, I might get it wrong, but it was New Year, New You, mm-hmm. but it's new as in K-N-E-W. Mm. If you could know this year that the Lord knows you, mm-hmm. I I just, I don't know. I'm like, maybe that'll be my my word. <laughs> yeah. New. K-N-E-W. Yeah. The Lord knew me, yes. knows me. Yeah, and I, I just made me think of that New when you year. said that because, the, you know, it was saying to to Morgan, like before you even talked, the yes. Lord was telling her, this is true. I know you. Absolutely. I, I orchestrated this whole thing yep. for you. I see you. I understand the pain yes. that you're oh. feeling and I'm here for you. If we could just know how much the Lord knows us. Yes. And if we had oh. the eyes to see. I, I know, I believe that the Lord will send mortal angels as well as ancestors to encourage and strengthen us through our darkest days. I testify that the Lord is intimately aware of each of our struggles, our trials, our hardships. And he stands there with his arms outstretched, wanting to help us through our painful experiences and waiting for us to gather safely under his wings.